I've been online a lot lately <laughs> because of lockdown. But what I've been seeing a lot online, especially through a lot of memes, but a lot of my friends who are posting online, uh, is that they're all playing this video game that I don't have. This video game that I know many of you are addicted to as well. Many adults, not, I'm not talking about children here, adults I know are addicted to this. It's called Animal Crossing. <laughs> it's on the Nintendo Switch. Now, I don't have a Nintendo Switch. That's probably why I'm not playing it. But, you know, I do have an idea of what it's about. I've been reading up on it. It's about, you know, you, you have an avatar, a character that goes around and you do things like you collect shells and berries and all sorts of items and you get rewarded for it. And then you get to create stuff. You get to build your house and create villages or something like that, right? I came across a review on it and I was trying to understand this game. What is the point of this game, all right? And this is what the game reviewer in this blog article said. He said this, I can tell you what you do in Animal Crossing. You do chores. You, you do chores to pay off a mortgage. Chores like chopping wood, catching fish, and plucking fruit. You pay off your mortgage so you can get a bigger house with a bigger mortgage. I've got Roy here behind the camera and he's nodding. He's like, that's exactly what you do in this game. And you fill your house with furniture, right? You collect fossils to donate to the museum. You decorate, you garden. It's all very mundane and chill. This is what the blog is saying. There's, there's no challenge, no game over. Everything is cute, nothing is stressful. Long story short, I love Animal Crossing, but I don't know why. Now, I found that really interesting, this, this article and how he explained Animal Crossing. We don't know what the point is of the game, but we enjoy it. And, and it, it takes us away from the stress of life and, and everything like that. And I think that's the case with a lot of video games, don't you think? Like Pokemon Go, when that first came out on the mobile phone, I know many of you were addicted to it. I was addicted to it for a little bit. The only people I know now are Chris and Andy. They're still playing it, I think. But eventually, the hype of Pokemon Go, it dwindles, doesn't it? And you realize it's just another game that doesn't really have a point. It doesn't really end. For me, I've been dabbling in The Sims 4. You know, it's a game where, you're, you're, again, you're an avatar, you have a home, you pay bills, you try to cl climb the ladder of success in your career, you have a social life, you have a romantic life, and you complete tasks, right? Eventually, you get as far as you can, as far as you can climb, and then you, your avatar gets old and then dies. And then you repeat it with a new character, perhaps a different gender with a different personality and different interests. You might choose a different career path, and you do it all again. Now, you might not play any video games. And the most you've played is, is Mario Kart or, or Flappy Bird or, or Tetris on your phone. But you can understand it, right? We get immersed into a virtual world and we play an avatar. We get to make decisions for it. Yeah, on Animal Crossing, you get to decide the clothes you wear, the tasks you choose to do, even the color of your wallpaper. You make choices. You make decisions. And as you continue to come back to the game each day, you see progress, don't you? You see rewards. You're rewarded with plants that grow. You're, you're able to control the life around you. You're able to buy more things. You move into a bigger house and you feel a sense of accomplishment when you get to pretty up your house, when you get to pretty up your avatar. And although I've never played the game, I totally understand the sentiment. Don't we all? You see, while we're in isolation at home, even more so, I can totally understand there's something comforting about completing tasks, ticking off a checklist, achieving rewards, creating a sense of order in our uncertain, chaotic world, and seeing progress. Right now, life feels like a stalemate. We're stagnant. We want life to look like a trajectory of progress and gain, just like the reward of playing Animal Crossing. 
Yet when we put the game down, after spending hours behind the screen, the question remains, what is the point of this game? And we look at life and all of a sudden and we realize it's all the same. You might not game and I understand why people get lost in it, but you'll understand how it feels because tomorrow morning, your alarm is going to go off. You're going to go to the bathroom, you're going to brush your teeth, you're going to shower, you're going to get ready for work. Even if you're working from home, you, or you might take a bus, right? You'll go to work, you'll take a short lunch break, and you'll go back to work, and then you'll take a bus home, you'll have dinner, you'll watch TV, and then you'll go to sleep. You know, the day after, guess what you're going to do? Your alarm's going to go off, you're going to go to the bathroom, you're going to brush your teeth, you're going to get ready for work, you're going to take a bus, you're going to go to work, you're going to have lunch, you're going to work some more, go home, have dinner, watch some TV, and then go to sleep. You can do that again and again, five days in a row, until the weekend comes. And on the weekend, you might go out, you might play some sport, you might see some friends, you might socialize after lockdown's over. You will go to church on a Sunday and the week starts and you'll do it all over again. You see, life, <laughs> life is like that melody in your head that goes na-na-na-na every day. It's like your iPod is stuck on replay, right? And it's that constant repeat we're going to do day in and day out for the next 30, 40, 50 years. And the goal, what is, what's the, what the, what's to, to, the goal of this is to get rewarded, isn't it? To see progress in life, to make money, to find a relationship, romantic relationship, to find happiness in a family perhaps, to find security in a house that you can decorate with real furniture. We're on that traje trajectory of progress and gain, aren't we? And then when we finally get off the treadmill, when we finally stop, when we press pause on life, we wonder, what is the point of it all? What is the purpose of our short lives in this world? And so we come to Ecclesiastes. It's a wisdom book, what we often call uh, wisdom literature in the Bible. It's written in a way as if it's teaching us truths about our world, wisdom on how we live in this world. And for the next six weeks, we're going to dive into it, discovering what life looks like for us. As humans living in this world, we're going to discover what our purpose is. Now, that's a huge claim, isn't it? If you're not a churchgoer, if you're not a Christian and you're here with us, hey, welcome. You're firstly welcome. But I do hope you'll come on this journey with us for the next six weeks to discover what the answer to this question is. We're going to discover how God sees our purpose in this life. We're going to take an honest look at life. We're going to see how... Uh, the pursuit for knowledge or our pursuit for wealth, our work, our time, our pleasures, the purpose of our lives. And we're going to see how, how, honestly, death comes for us all. How does our purpose fit into all this? That's what the next six weeks is going to look like. Now, if you have your Bibles, open it up to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Because that's where we're going to spend our time today in. And I love it if you have your Bibles open uh, so you can follow along with me. We're going to uh, uncover what the... The writer is saying to us. But this is really interesting, right? Because as you read this, there's, there's an author writing. In chapter 1, verse 1, he starts off, The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. So there's an author, and he's actually writing to us. He's like a scribe, writing to us the words of a teacher. These are like bookends. Chapter 1 and chapter 12, you'll see that the author pens this for us, and he tells us the words of the teacher. All right? Let me pause for a moment and explain to you the name of Ecclesiastes, because I'm sure you're wondering, why is it even called Ecclesiastes? Well, Ecclesiastes, it's a Greek version of the Hebrew word, right? It's a, the Hebrew word is teacher or preacher. So Ecclesiastes just means that. It means teacher. 
Now, you, as you read it, you can understand why. The author tells it it's the words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Now, for most of us, the first person that comes to mind is mostly, it's most likely, King Solomon. He's the teacher, he's the son of David, king over Jerusalem. Now, that's not conclusive. We, ne- we never hear Solomon say, this is me, I am Solomon. We're just told that he acknowledges himself as the king over Jerusalem, someone who has lots of wealth, someone who has lots of wisdom, uh, which is really the story of Solomon that he possessed, and, and he can, he's the one who can make that claim. But for now, let's just, for the purpose of the series, let's just call him the teacher. Just to be clear, that's how the Ecclesiastes addresses him. The first thing that I want us to, to see, though, is what he begins with, what the teacher wants us to know. It's right there in verse 2, isn't it? He says, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is utterly meaningless. His observations on life, like he, he'll, he'll go on these discoveries leading to, to, to see that everything in life is meaningless. Your Bibles might use the word vanity. You know, it, it's futile. The English doesn't quite capture it like the Hebrew language does, though. If we want to read this in the original Hebrew, what you'll understand is this, this meaningless idea is better described as, as vapor. It, it's a smoke, even a breath. It's something you see for a moment and then disappears. Something transient, temporary, fleeting, even enigmatic, right? Mysterious. Life is meaningless, like a breath. And he comes to this conclusion after applying wisdom to life. We're seeing what what life looks like. We're people here on this earth, going through life, trying to chase the wind, hoping to grab hold of something, but actually grasping hold of nothing. And you're thinking, Mikey, you sound so cynical. And I know that's what Mikey sounds like usually. I know that's what I, sorry, I sound like, me in the third person. I sound cynical, pessimistic. But, you know, it's not me saying this. It's the author. It, it's the, the teacher for us, right? And we're going to discover it's not about being pessimistic or cynical. He's going to make real-life observations. He's taking a realistic approach, making conclusions from the observations he has of the world around us. But let's be honest. Whether you believe in a God or not, right? whether you believe in, in our God or you're an agnostic or you're an atheist, we'll all come to the similar conclusion, won't we? When we take a hard, long look at life, we want to make sense of it. But more often than not, we grow up, we tick off our bucket list, we, we accomplish things, we achieve rewards. Our animal crossing life seems so fulfilling. But when we pause, we all at some point have that existential cry, don't we? What is the point of all of this? This is what the teacher says to us as well. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun, he says. Now, did you pick that up in verse 3? What do people gain from all the work, from the work we do in our lives, that's lives under the sun in this world? Is gain just progression like we're playing the game of life? Is gain how big your house is? Is gain how many followers you have on Instagram? How popular you are. Is gain the amount of cities and countries you travel to in this world? Is gain how much, how much love you have around you from your family and friends? And, and they're all you know, good things. You know, they're, so they're sought after things in our world. But we spend so many of our hours in this life wanting to gain, don't we? Wanting to uh, work and have gains in our lives. But don't those satisfactions of those gains only last for a short period? Aren't they temporary? Aren't they fleeting? And I'm thinking about gains when I think about the gym. We lose all our gains when we don't go to the gym. And I'm I'm feeling that right now in isolation more than anything. But it's true, isn't it? We toil under the sun. You know, we we spend our lives working on this earth. And what do we gain? 
I went and looked up statistics on our life and how we spend our time. And there were these really helpful infographics that were on this article titled Our Life in Numbers. Now, taking an average lifespan of, of 80 years, this is what they discovered is quite interesting. We spend about 33 years in bed out of our 80 years of life. We spend about 14 years working. We spend about 11 and a half years behind a screen, whether it's television or on social media. We spend four and a half years eating, three years on holidays, two years socializing and doing romance, and about only 334 days in school for primary and secondary school. Now, I, I skip some of the stats because, I mean, there's the miscellaneous things. You, you spend about nearly eight years doing things like cleaning the house, uh, commuting to work, um, going out to watch theater or whatever, like eight years of miscellaneous things, right? But the most important stat that I think is, is interesting for us is the first three, right? The first three was we sleep a lot, 33 years in bed, we spend about 14 years working, and we spend about 11 and a half years behind a screen. Isn't that really fascinating? I mean, that's our life summed up in statistics, our life in numbers. It's incredible. But what's even more incredible is that no matter who you are, where you're from, what you do, your life and my life is consumed by the same things. We eat, we sleep, we work, we scroll, and then we repeat. What do we really gain? What do we profit? What is the point of it all? Because, yeah, you can, you can spend your life studying. I know some of our students are in this stage of life. You can get that job afterwards you can get that bread you can get married you can start a family you can buy a house and then you can retire and then what all through life we're on this treadmill aren't we it has no end life is on repeat eventually the end for us is all the same i've heard people um I, well i've heard people use this illustration uh and it and it came to, I was thinking of it as well, the Greek myth, the guy Sisyphus, I don't know if you've heard about this one, his punishment for eternity was that he spent his days rolling a boulder up a hill. And when he got to the top, the boulder would roll back down. And then he would get back to the bottom and he'd roll the boulder up the hill. And then the boulder would roll back down. And then he'd go back down and he would roll the boulder up the hill again. And he had to do that for eternity. It doesn't that feel like our lives sometimes. That does sound like hell, doesn't it? That sounds like punishment. You might be a student and you're going through each semester and you know, and being a student, you think it's, it's gonna be chill. Chill at the start, you know, and you, your plans are the same. You wanna you know, have good study habits. So you wanna you know, not fall behind on your lectures. So you get on top of it. Somehow, as the semester goes on, you fall behind. The assignments start piling up. The cramming begins for exams. The exams come and there's relief because the exams are over. Then there are holidays. And then it's back at again, back at it again the next semester. The same thing happens for the next semester. It doesn't end until uni's over. We try to break the cycle, and I know many of our uni students do this. We go on a holiday. We, we'll, we'll go backpack Asia because that's all we can afford as students. Or you'll do an exchange in Europe hoping that it'll break the mundane cycle of life. I mean, those who work full time, we, we get this as well, right? Four week annual leave. We want to escape the clutches of stress and mundane life and and sure, right, we'll go overseas. We'll go on a holiday, get as far away as possible. We'll do the eat, pray, and love holiday, hoping that you can 
just find refreshment. And sure, some of us, we do, you find a little bit of that realignment. We get back into work with a bit of energy again to do it another year, to get back into work another year. Nothing is new under the sun. We'll work, we'll have weekends, we'll have holidays, and then we'll work some more till the day we die. I mean, this is what the cycle of life is, isn't it? The teacher says that all our life is like this. There's no game because life is just a cycle of the same thing. And to what end? Listen to what he says next. This is from from verse 4. It says this, Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun sets, and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome. More than one can say the eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear is full of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations. And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Isn't that interesting? He's making observations on the world and how everything is just repeated. There is nothing new. We, we want to break the cycle. We want to do something that's different. But what we're doing is something that someone else has already done. It's just done in a different format, perhaps. We look around the world, and that's what it is. The world just goes on in cycles. And he makes us feel really small, doesn't he, as he says that. And we should. Our lives are short. We get, if, even if we get to live till 80, we're really just specks of sands in the sands of time, aren't we? We're living our lives in a world that's so much bigger than us. It's going to be around much longer than us. We try to conquer mountains, explore the unknown, advancing human progress. And that's all good, gaining more insight into the world around us. But do we realize, just like the way the sun rises and the sun sets, our lives and generations before and after us, they come and go. You know, while we want to conquer the unknown, the sun and the moon, they're going to have their place in the skies. The mountains will stand. The oceans will remain the same. And friends, while we're trying to break this mundane life cycle by trying to gain more experiences, right? Trying to, trying to innovate, trying to progress and find meaning in, in our lives, nothing actually has changed. You know, we still communicate, if not through letters, now it's emails, texts, Zoom. It's all different forms of communication, connecting. Fashion never changes. I wore um, a turtleneck jumper 12 years ago. It was out of fashion then and it's out of fashion today. But you know what I mean, right? I saw someone wear a turtleneck jumper earlier this year at a wedding. Right now, what I'm seeing on, on social media, for example, everyone's doing these social um, distant, uh, these isolation challenges, right? And, and you've seen a pop-up on your Facebook, perhaps. You're saying, you know, the, my, my top seven books of all time. Uh, list out my, the top 10 favorite albums without an explanation. Fill out the following questions about your favorite things. Places you've lived, and then tag a friend, right? Solve this riddle. You have four children. One's called North, East, and South. What's the name of the four? Get it wrong, you have to post it and share. All that, you know, all that stuff, we're seeing that during this time, even more so because everyone's on Facebook. And you know what all these things are, right? They're just different forms of chain letters. <laughs> well, you know, letters people used to mail to each other. They'd send something and tell you to duplicate it and pass it on. And then chain letters became chain emails. And wow, I lived during that generation of chain emails. They would come through my, my Hotmail address back then in high school. My Hotmail address was mcvinster at hotmail.com. I don't think it exists anymore. But those emails would come through. 
and it'd have this big subject line, please read and pass it on, right? And now we're seeing that on Facebook and we're seeing that on Instagram. We're seeing that on WhatsApp and WeChat. Please read and pass it on. If you don't do it, the universe will punish you. You know, we hear things like that. Pass it on if you care enough. I'm seeing Christians do this. And this is, I'm going to say this, it's not helpful. They post things. We post things sometimes. And, and it says, read this. If you don't repost this, then you don't love Jesus. Things like that. It's unhelpful. But really, it's just the same thing as it was generations ago. They're just chain emails, chain letters. You know, now, if you like doing the isolation challenges, by all means, all love here, right? No judgment. You know, but nothing is new under the sun. That's, that's the point. Every generation, it's the same. We're all climbing some ladder. We're all in some rat race. We study. We work. We get promoted. We change jobs. We try to earn money. Life is just a hustle where we're trying to make a mark in the world amongst our peers. We try to live life with our purpose, something we want to achieve in life for ourselves to be remembered by. There's an author, his name is, I think, Mark Manson. He writes uh, that book that's on all the, in all the bookstores. It has the orange cover. It's titled The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. I can't say the word because it's a curse word, but it's a self-help book, essentially. It's a bestseller. He's got a blog, and he's got this article that talks about finding purpose and questions to ask ourselves. One of them is, what do you want to be remembered for? He says, you know, ultimately, death is the only thing that gives us perspective on the value of our life. What is your legacy going to be? What are the stories people are going to tell when you're gone? What is your obituary going to say? Is there anything to say at all? If not, what would you like it to say? How can you start working towards it today? Helping people find their purpose, right? And that might be helpful for some people who might be struggling. But take a step back and all that stuff you want to be known for, it's meaningless because you're going to be forgotten. It's going to be so short-lived. You see, the sad truth, the preacher finishes that in verse 11. So no matter what kind of life we live, a life that is full of accomplishments or just an average life that gets by, it ultimately doesn't matter. We're just going to be forgotten by future generations. We won't be remembered. It's so sad, but true. We'll study, we'll work, we'll pursue relationships, we'll buy property, buy new cars, new phones, new clothes, and to what end? To one day, get rid of it all. To one day, be on our own, with all our possessions, neatly in a drawer by our bedside, perhaps in a nursing home, perhaps in the, in the basement of our, of our children's house. And fire, that's sad, isn't it? But what's even more sad is the reality. That after this life is over, we're not going to be remembered. We're going, to, we're going to be forgotten. Think about the few generations before you. Do you know the name of your great-grandfather? Your great-great-grandfather? I mean, to be honest, my grandparents, they died when I was young. I, I called them grandpa and grandma, and I never even knew their actual names in Chinese or in English. Right? My, my future children, they might see, see photos of them at, at best, but guess what? Just like my grandparents... I'm going to be forgotten in future generations as well. So will you. The teacher acknowledges all this. With wisdom, he does his research. And after he has observed all that is done under the sun, this is his conclusion. Verse 14, everything is meaningless. 
I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Isn't that interesting? Everything is like a breath, a vapor, fleeting. Chapter 1 confronts our lives. And I think what the teacher wants us to see is to actually start seeing life differently. He introduces this idea. How does he begin? What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? And he asks us this question, doesn't he? Because as we've seen already, our hearts desire a life that's full and abundant. A life that looks like progress, reward, achievement, accomplishment. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's a life that is going to end in purposelessness. Pleasure, success, and identity, status. We want that to be remembered. But all that stuff, the gains we want in life, it's like a vapor, like a breath. And so I think what the teacher wants us to see is maybe we should start looking at it from a different perspective. Um, Kirk Patston, he's a pastor. He was my Old Testament lecturer back at Bible College, the one I attended in Sydney. And I totally want to credit, give credit to him. But what if we looked at life differently? This is what he'd say. He's looked at life differently. Instead of gain, looking at life instead of gain, looking at it as a gift. To instead enjoy the moment because God gave you life itself where you can enjoy the sunrise and the sunset, where you can enjoy the moments of peace when you get off that treadmill of life, where you you don't need that that promotion. Instead, you have time with your family, which is so much better spent, where you can go to work and enjoy that you have a job and that you can work with your time and with your gifts, with your energy. Perhaps it's, it's looking at life with not having all the money in the world, but you can have money. <laughs> the fact that you can have money and you can afford things. The fact that you might want to go on that luxurious holidays, but it's okay if you, if you don't, because as long as you can find time to have rest, rest itself, that's the gift. Where you don't need to fill up your schedule with more achievements, but instead enjoy the, the small moments in life that God has given you to enjoy the, the world around us that he's created for you and for me. What if even more so the enjoyment that he wants in this life of, of us that we can enjoy is, is enjoying him? the one who gives us all those gifts, to enjoy the one who is above the sun, above the mountains and the streams, the one who doesn't go through cycles of life, but is truly unchanging and infinite. You see, we're living life under the sun, and there is so much futility, vanity, meaninglessness. But instead of living life under the sun, maybe it's time to live life under God, live life under the one who is above the sun, who is so much greater than our wealth, and the limits and the cycles of this world. Friends, let me encourage you. Press pause. Press pause on this game of life. Take some time to to stop and reflect. And maybe we need to do this daily, to stop and and meditate. You know, whatever stage you're at in life, what cycle, it's time to stop and meditate on the truths of God, who He is. Jesus reminds us, if you go to Matthew chapter 6, in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. You can read this with me. He says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Verse 28. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, they're not even Solomon. Solomon, King Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? 
We feel the pressure of life, don't we? Gaining achievements, and we're swept up with the progression of life as if that's going to give us purpose. But with God, he says, don't get caught up. Yeah, you have to work in life. Yeah, you might be raising a family, and that's hard. Yeah, you'll need a roof over your head, you'll need shelter, you'll need a house. You'll, you'll buy things that are necessary. You'll need clothes on your back. But we fall into this trap, don't we? We get so distracted by the hustle and the gains that we forget to enjoy the gifts. The gift of life. The gift of the giver himself. You see, the sin of our hearts and of humanity, sin stains the world, it stains our lives, it blurs our vision and our purpose. We end up living for work, living for pleasure, living for relationships, and it all fades away in the sands of eternity. It's all going to be just a vapor, breath in time. We forget to see God, the one who generously takes care of us. When we shape our lives around him, we also discover there is a rich purpose for our lives in him. We're going to discover more and more it's Jesus who breaks the cycle of futility in life. We're going to discover he brings us into the presence of the giver. See, Jesus, the infinite son of God, enters into our finite world. He takes away the sin that distances us from the giver and instead shows us a purpose that we can live for, that we are here for. Through Jesus, we can have knowledge of God, the one who created us. The one who creates, the one who maintains, the one who sustains this world. Friends, we need to get in sync with that. We need to start feeling the rhythm and the patterns of God's world and not see it as mundane, but see the routines, right, as enjoyable gifts we can appreciate. You get to work each day. You get to study. You get to gain knowledge. You get to hang out with friends and play sports each weekend. You get to have time with your family. You get to share life with them. And just like we see the beauty of the sun that rises and the sun that sets each day, we get to see the beauty of the natural rhythms and cycles of life that we go through. You get to live this life that God gave you under his rule and see that he's the generous giver of all of that. Friends, the implications from this is clear, isn't it? You could go about life and think we're just a random bunch of atoms living in a random time of history experiencing random events in life day by day that we just have to get through until we die. <laughs> we can try and escape it, all right? We, we can go off the grid or we can travel the world. We can try new age philosophies to make sense of it all. Some of us avoid that reality altogether. We avoid it with drink and drugs and sex and pleasure, hoping it'll bring some sort of purpose and point to life. Some of us will, will find it in good things. We'll find our purpose in family, work and fitness perhaps. But at some point, we need to confront the truth of our world. What is the point of this life? This life that is like a breath in the wind. What is life if we're just here trying to chase after the wind? Friends, if life is really just a simulated game, like a simulated game, like Animal Crossing or The Sims, again, no judgment if you enjoy them, but games like that we love to play, but simply just portray our lives simply as a series of transactions and events, that, that goes through cycles and has no real ultimate point. Is that what life, is that all there is to it? Friends, let me finish with this. Get to know God. Get to know him. And when you do, grow in your knowledge of him. Live for him. Worship him because that's where richness, that's where purpose and meaning will be found. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can know you. 
that Jesus breaks the, the cycle of vanity and meaninglessness and futility in our world. That we don't have to live this life just chasing after the wind. We can live this life purposeful, with meaning. We can live this life under your kingship, under, under you as the creator, the one who is above the sun. And so we do pray that for us, Lord. I do pray that you'll help us to see that there is so much more to life under the sun. We get to live a life under, under God. And so we do pray that that will be revealed to us, that will be shown to us, and that will give us so much more purpose and meaning to the short life that we live. We do pray for that. And we do pray that for those who are listening, those who are here with us today, that they'll come and discover who you are in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.